0: Hi, I am. This isn't going to sound like a regular podcast because I'm in a motel room. I'll do the best I can with my hand recorder. Please forgive the residual noises that you hear. The shameful January 6th show trial on the puppet press. They made the news they wanted. Quote, and if all others accepted the lie which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became the truth. Who controls the past, Round the party slogan, controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. End quote. George Orwell, 1984. Jamie Raskin wants to tell you a story. It's one that has tumbled around in his brain for years now. It's also one he hopes to make his name on. Jamie Raskin, hero at long last. All he had to do was stand before the American people and pretend that President Trump planned an insurrection, an overthrow of the United States government. How hard could that be? He'd already tried to impeach him twice, along with Democrats and a handful of never-Trumpers. All of this worked so beautifully in the midterms to scare voters away from MAGA. Let's keep it going, they think. It's a sad story. It paints a picture of an insulated, isolated ruling class elite so hell-bent on power they're willing to sell out the American people to get it, and keep it. The only reason they're getting away with this Dr. Strangelove-esque absurd circus is that they have a willing, compliant, obedient puppet press that will go along with Raskin's fantasy and every other huckster con man who wants to sell it. Believe us, they say, because we're important. We care about the marginalized groups. We care about democracy. We care about justice. We care about the truth. How sad to see the media with their blue check army on Twitter, the thought robots for the state, Parroting the talking points all to win this game of catch trump if you can look there the puppet media dismissing the twitter files as a nothing burger look there msnbc praising liz cheney and jamie raskin for a job well done they got him the real story of course is the twitter files which expose intense fbi involvement payments follow the money and manipulation to fool the media twitter and ultimately the american people that only one side of the story was true of course, the media have no choice but to call it a nothing burger. What are they going to do? Real journalism? Not a chance. When you step back and look at the big picture, you'll see the real story. Let's start with a mistake of Donald Trump winning in 2016. A mistake the government, FBI especially, had to rectify to please Queen Hillary and King Obama. A mistake that led in the people they had demonized as wit- ra- racist white supremacists. A mistake that now launched... The biggest protest in American history, up to and including a genuine revolution in the summer of 2020. Right away, the FBI set about finding something on Trump. Congress helped. The media took a different front. Everything he did or said was mocked. He was discredited at every turn. Heading into the election, what ho, it's the FBI again, this time seducing and potentially entrapping the very kind of people Trump attracted. Disaffected, marginalized white men Who had no jobs, no future, and no hope Let's help them find a target, they probably thought One journalist got the story and saw exactly that These were not criminal masterminds They were sad, lonely, depressed men Easily exploited They needed to find extremists, you see They needed to make their melodrama seem real enough to win in 2020 Whitmer did her part, playing the damsel in distress The public shrank back in horror. What have we done? But that wouldn't be enough. They would need something bigger. Much, much bigger. That was all done in text messages and behind closed doors. They needed video. They needed a powerful piece of propaganda to prove everything they were saying was true. They needed an insurrection. Trump's predictable objections to the 2020 election, which was the first election I've ever seen that was rigged from the top down, gave them the opportunity. Everyone in Trump circles knew there was going to be a lit protest on D.C. on January 6th, but to them that meant dancing around to the village people, not hanging Mike Pence. But someone somewhere was starting a fire. It would turn into a full-blown riot that couldn't be controlled. The FBI knew, the mayor knew, plenty of people knew it was coming, yet they left the Capitol Police vulnerable. You know the rest of the story. While reading the latest Spectator piece on the conclusions by the January 6th committee, I was struck by the first paragraph. Quote, The Capitol riots on January 6th deserved a serious public investigation because the events were so important. The rioters who entered the Capitol building tried to use violence and intimidation to prevent the peaceful transfer of power by normal constitutional procedures. That's as serious as it gets in our democracy, end quote. Never in any of this is a conversation about why they were there in the first place, the 2020 election. That our government and their puppet press wanted to pretend that was a perfectly ordinary election is frustrating enough that millions of people in this country still believe it was an unfair Unfair, unbalanced, bought and paid for election. They had every right to protest. Silly them. They thought our government actually listened to protests. They are the voices of the unheard. Not these protesters. They'd been systematically dehumanized for six years. They just had to wear a red hat or show up with a Trump flag to be called an extremist. Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley had agreed to debate the regulation in some states. That was happening. The riots simply shut it down and handed absolute power to the Democrats, who then proceeded to create the kind of political theater normally reserved for dictators like Putin. A six-year-long dehumanization campaign drove the assumption that Trump supporters are violent by nature, a psyop to shut down a working-class populist movement. The media simply did as they were told. They sell the lie that they're all white, they're all racist, they're all white supremacists, QAnon conspiracy theorists, Most people I know cling to this delusion. Because otherwise, what does that make them? It makes them the monsters. There's just one problem. It isn't true. Trump supporters tend to be outsiders who lack representation culturally or politically. Some of them just hate the corrupt government establishment. Some of them are frustrated that our country has become so punitive, so censorious, so politically correct. Trump supporters pride themselves on being nonviolent. Even Alex Jones, speaking in D.C. that day, January 6th was preaching peaceful protesting no one not Trump not his supporters was planning on violence if the embarrassing soul-crushing one-sided show trial foisted upon Americans had been anything like a real investigation that part of the story would have been told the government tosses the ball gently down center plate the media hits it out of the park and everyone pretends they played a fair game but they didn't They're crooks and liars. The game is rigged against many people in this country. Trump supporters, the black and brown people the left supposedly cares about, those who spend their days driving trucks or sitting behind counters or delivering mail. Drive through North Hollywood if you want to see how those black and brown people Democrats use to justify everything they do actually live. They're forgotten, too. Abandoned. Invisible. I'm staying at a motel in Fruta, Colorado, at a Motel 6. It is freezing cold. The woman working the front desk lives in this town and works this job, which can't pay much. What does she do every day? Does she watch the January 6th show trial and feel like justice was done because the bad man was stopped? And does that make her sleep better at night? Maybe. I'm a city girl at heart. I love the hum and energy of New York, New Orleans, Chicago, or even Rome or Paris. People's collective energy can be easily recognized, especially when you watch someone die and you watch that energy slip away. But out in the middle of the country, there is a different kind of energy. In Joel and Ethan Cohen's No Country for Old Men, one of my favorite films, he chooses not to use a musical score.
1: I was sheriff of this county when I was 25 years old. Hard to believe. My grandfather was a lawman. Father, too. Me and him were sheriffs at the same time, him up in Plano and me out here. I think he's pretty proud of that. I know I was. Some of the old time sheriffs never read more a gun. A lot of folks find that hard to believe. Jim Scarborough never carried one. That's the younger Jim. Gaston Borkins wouldn't wear one up in Comanche County. And I always like to hear about the old-timers. Never missed a chance to do so. You can't help but compare yourself against the old-timers. You can't help but wonder how they'd have operated these times. And there's this boy I sent to the electric chair at Huntsville here a while back. My arrest and my testimony, he killed a 14-year-old girl. Papers said it was a crime of passion, but he told me there wasn't any passion to it. Told me that he'd been planning to kill somebody for about as long as he could remember. Said if they turned him out, he'd do it again. Said he knew he was going to hell. Be there in about 15 minutes. I don't know what to make of that. I surely don't. The crime you see now, it's hard to even take its measure. It's not that I'm afraid of it. I always knew you had to be willing to die to even do this job. But I don't want to push my chips forward and go out and meet something I don't understand.
0: Just a handful of movies do this, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds being one of them. These are choices made because sometimes the place is the score. The silence of it, the wind tumbling through the canyon, feet crunching on snow. Next door to me is a Vietnam memorial called Field of Dreams. It's sandwiched between a Motel 6 and I-70. All of the names of the dead on the wall. Did they come from Fruta? I think about the war our government seems to be chomping at the bit to start. I think about the people they'll be sending over there. Do you suppose they'll be the children of those in D.C.? Or will they be the only people who love this country enough to die for it? They played out their little drama, helping Trump candidates win the primary, giving all of the MAGA faithful hope that their government was powerful enough to make our government listen to them and care about their lives and families. They believed they could participate in our people-run government. But they were walking into a trap set by very cynical people who knew that all they had to do was lure them into it and they could find a way to extinguish their enthusiasm with one loss after another in the midterms. That's how you get to the bubble-dwelling Jonah Goldberg and his ilk, condemning so-called authoritarianism. While not recognizing the machine, he himself defends, even while pretending to be an outsider. Baby, you're right up in it. You're the guy holding the fan, keeping the elites cool. You didn't stop authoritarianism. You aided and abetted it. Maybe that isn't entirely fair. The never-Trumpers are still burned that there are working-class voters who can't stand them anymore. I just wish we had a press corps that cared about a story as important as the Twitter files. But we don't. The Twitter files have shamed the government, the FBI, the Democratic Party, and most of all the puppet press that keeps insisting there is nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. Fruta, Colorado. 7.35 7.35 a.m. Thanks for listening to my Substack on the go. Remember, to thine own self be true. Baby, when
2: I think about you, I think about- bye I live without you I live without love